It's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, this paper has evolved uh, as my research has developed. Um, a few scholars here have heard some of its content in an earlier form, and I thank them for their feedback. And I also thank Sasha and George for our many discussions on this subject. The purpose of this talk is threefold. I wish to show that there was more than one type of calendar at Qumran. In particular, this calendar works in a totally different way to the 364-day calendar traditions known from the Hebrew Dead Sea Scrolls and the Book of Jubilees. I argue that this calendar is connected to the Seleucid calendar in various forms, in the very, in the first, which appears in various forms in the first and second book of Maccabees. This was essentially the Babylonian calendar with Greek month names, and it began its new year in the autumn. The implications of uncovering a calendar that has links to the narratives about the Maccabees may lead us to reassess the standard hypotheses that there was one community who compiled and collected the Dead Sea Scrolls and who placed them in caves in and around Qumran, and that this group was wholly against the Hasmoneans and their calendar. Uh, be that as it may, in essence, this paper is really stating that there is more to be added to existing Qumran calendar scholarship. We shall be looking at my proposed reconstruction of the calendar of 4Q209, which is also known as 4Q Astronomical Enoch A, an Aramaic text, which is a completely different calendrical model to that in the Hebrew texts. I shall show the restoration from the formulaic data in fragment 7, the largest fragment from the calendar in this ancient manuscript. It contains detailed astronomical information for seven nights. Four, four from nights uh, from one, from one month and three nights from another month. I show that the first day of the first month, the first of Nisan, coincides with the spring equinox, and the tenth day of the seventh month, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, coincides with the autumn equinox in the same year. The first day of the first month is the festival of the beginning of the first month of the year in the Temple Scroll at Qumran, and a day of remembrance in the Book of Jubilees. And in the tenth day of the seventh month, Yom Kippur is a biblically, biblically prescribed festival. I will also show that this phenomenon is connected to the 19-year cycle. In the previous year, the 25th day of the ninth month, the 25th of Kislev, Hanukkah, called the Festival of Lights in Josephus and the rededication of the temple, amongst other names, in the first and second Maccabees, lines up with a Roman winter solstice in the Julian calendar. In the same year that Hanukkah coincides with the winter solstice, the summer solstice is at its closest point to the full moon on the 15th of Nisan. This date is the festival of Shavuot in the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Hebrew calendars at Qumran and in the Temple Scroll and in the Book of Jubilees. These alignments of festivals on the 1st, 10th, 15th and 25th days of the lunar month on the solstices and equinoxes occur together only once every 19 years. Although 4Q209 does not list festivals or the Sabbaths, I shall argue that it contains data for a calendar that aligns with the Maccabean festival on the 25th of Kislev, the sectarian festival, so-called, on the 1st of Nisan and the 15th of Nisan, and the biblical festival of Yom Kippur on the 10th of Tishri. It is proposed that 4Q209 may show that some Jewish groups in Second Temple Judaism were developing an equinoctial and solstice festival calendar. <clears throat> Briefly for the Qumran context. Okay, the Hebrew calendars have 364 days and are structurally divided into 52 weeks. 
The calendars of the priestly courses list the Sabbaths and festivals, and there is a probable interest in two main key phases of the moon in some of the texts. We owe a debt to Shemarahu Talmon for our knowledge of these texts. The Temple Scroll may have a different kind of calendar to some other Hebrew calendrical texts, and it and some calendars of the priestly courses have additional festivals. The Temple Scroll calendar is still not fully understood. Other Hebrew calendars, such as the cryptic Hebrew text 4Q317, does not list the Hebrew or the, festival, the, the Sabbath or the festivals. It can still be used to identify the Sabbath day, even though it is not marked in the manuscript. Some liturgical texts include the 364-day Sabbath calendar, such as the Songs of the Sabbath Sacrifice and probably 4Q daily prayers. A number of liturgical texts found at Qumran include praises to the solstices and equinoxes, the Tukufot, within substantial poetic units of text concerning earthly and cosmological time. These frequently encompass descriptions of the orbits of the sun and the moon, mornings, evenings, days, months, years, seasons, jubilees, fate, destiny, eternity, and the end of all time. The Tukufot are part of this variable list in the Maskil's hymn, a prayer within the community rule from K4 and K1, and in the Thanksgiving hymns, the Hodayot, from K4 in columns 9 and 20, for example. None of the Hebrew calendrical texts from what is known so far appears to work with the 19-year cycle. The Aramaic calendars are different. I've argued elsewhere that the textual unit of 4Q zodiacal calendar, 4Q318, which is not concerned with the Sabbath calendar, works with the 19-year cycle. Here I will argue that 4Q209, which contains far more, far more astronomical information, also works with this cycle. As John pointed out, the fixed 19-year lunisolar calendrical cycle uses a lunar, lunar calendar that is corrected to keep its strain from the tropical or solar year. An additional month of 30 days is intercalated seven times at two or three-year intervals in order to bring the lunar year approximately back to the start of the solar year and to keep the lunar calendar aligned with the seasons. 19 solar years equate to 235 lunar months, almost exactly. Of relevance to 4Q209, in the Metonic cycle, the moon returns to almost precisely the same place in the sky, at the same phase, the same position in the zodiacal constellation, at around the same date every 19 years. <coughs> this is an image of the largest fragment, fragment 7, of 4Q astronomical Enoch A, 4Q209, um, in, the in the Aramaic uh, calendrical text. Uh, the calendar of 4Q209 is probably an early version of the Ethiopic Book of Luminaries, part of one Enoch, as other fragments from the manuscript of 4Q209, fragments 23, 25, 26 and 28, correspond with other sections of the Book of Luminaries. In one e Enoch and in some Aramaic fragments from Qumran, Enoch ascends to the heavens and learns the secrets of astronomy in the calendar from the Archangel Uriel. 4Q209 is dated to 30 BCE to 70 CE, the time of the Jewish war against the Romans. The formulaic calendar may be a later copy of an earlier text and is related to a very similar earlier, very fragmentary manuscript, 4Q208, 4Q Astronomical Enoch A. The calendar belongs to popular science. The, the context is the corpus of Enoch rather than a tablet from a Babylonian temple. 
I would argue that it is intended for a wider audience rather than for a small specialist group of astronomers and diviners. We don't know where this material was written. It may well not have originated in Judea at all. Henrik Dravnell, who wrote the latest extensive critical edition of the Aramaic astronomical fragments from Qumran, points out that it reflects Akkadian astronomical science. The main points of 4Q astronomical Enoch B. There are fixed 29 and 30 day alternating lunar months as one finds in Greek calendars, comprising a 354 day year, and this can be calculated from the fragments. The paths of the sun and the moon are known for every day of the year. There is no information on how the calendar in the Qumran text was intercalated, that's we don't know in the Akkadian text either, to keep up with the solar year, nor enough data telling us how long the solar year was. The sun and the moon rise and set through numbered gates. We know from the Ethiopic astronomical book that there are six pairs of gates, numbered one to six on either side of the year. So a gate number belongs to one of two months. Therefore, each gate number represents one of two months, and there are not 12 <coughs> gates, there's one gate. Uh, there are not 12 gates of one per month. The moon waxes and wanes incrementally in units of half-sevenths. The text gives us data for the moon's proportions in unit fractions for every single night and day when it is waxing. And, and so every day of the month has a long description in a repeated formulaic style. The data for waxing and waning phases, it's waxing and waning, uh, employ different terminologies. As we have incomplete fragments, reconstructing this calendar is a challenge. Dravnell has identified two patterns where there is a 29-day lunar month, the full moon falls on day 14, and in a 30-day lunar month, the full moon falls on day 15. We can work out from the fractions from this largest fragment that it is a... Uh, that this fragment contains a 29-day lunar month. J.T. Millick identified the fragment as coming from the 10th lunar month, possibly based on the same reasoning, but he doesn't specify how he worked it out. When one reconstructs the whole calendar from the data in the largest fragment, fragment 7, tracking backwards and forwards using the formulaic patterns in the text, it is evident that no two days of the, sh of the year share precisely the same data. This is Millick's translation of column three on the left-hand side of the fragment, which details three days. It describes the positions of the sun and the moon on the eighth to the tenth days of the tenth lunar month. The sun's movements are in purple. What is unusual for this surviving fragment is that we have information about the calendar, cosmology and astronomy relating to the sun and the moon on the same dates. Millick actually draws a parallel between the tenth month in the text and the tenth month of Tevet in the Jewish calendar. On night eight of the lunar month, the moon shines for four sevenths. On the same night, the sun completes its journey through gate one. The number of the gate through which the moon rises and sets on night eight is not, started, is not stated. A little further on in the fragment, we learn that on the tenth night of the tenth lunar month, the moon sets and enters in gate five. On day nine of the lunar month, the moon is waxing and the sun may be moving through its new gate. The extract is saying that while the sun is moving through gate one, the moon on night eight and nine moves from gate four to gate five. In the early 19th century, Richard Lawrence, who did the first translation of One Enoch, showed that the system of gates described in the Book of Luminaries coincided with the zodiac signs, meaning the imaginary division of the unequal-sized zodiacal constellations into equal-sized signs of 30 degrees each. 
This is a simplified diagram to show the apparent annual journey of the Sun as seen from the Earth, which is relevant to Richard Lawrence's analysis of um, the Book of Enoch in chapter 20, uh, 72 of the Sun going through the gates. Gate 1 is the gate number of the winter solstice, which is arrowed. When the pairs of gates with their corresponding months and zodiac signs are placed in numerical order, it is clear that they run numerically from the winter solstice to the summer solstice and are equidistant from the solstices as if the zodiacal circle had been folded in half. Here, gate 4 is the number of the gate where the sun rises and sets at the spring and autumnal equinoxes. Gate 6 is the gate number of the two months bordering the summer solstice. Neugebauer identified the gates in the Book of Luminaries as the sun's rising and setting points on the horizon. Liz Brackburnson and Hermann Hunger, in a different study on the Babylonian texts, proposed that the sun's rising and setting points on the horizon coincided with the solar position on the zodiacal circle. It is likely that this phenomenon is evidenced by the production of Greco-Roman zodiacal astronomical instruments, which appeared as public display sundials and horologia in different forms, mainly in Italy and Greece from the 2nd century BCE to the 2nd century CE. While there is no contradiction between Neugebauer's proposal and that of Brackburnson and Hunger, it is unlikely that the gates can be used to predict the position of the moon's rising and setting on the horizon. It is well known for Marchio astronomy that it is far more difficult to predict the rising and setting position of the moon on the horizon, which changes its position much more frequently. In 4Q209, the same gate numbers apply to the place of the moon's path on the zodiacal circle. The moon moves faster than the sun, taking 29 or 30 days to complete this journey on the ecliptic, in contrast to the sun's annual journey. All this is far more information than is required for the functioning of most calendars. However, this isn't most calendars. It appears within a mythological context within the manuscripts of the Book of Enoch, and it is associated with angels, astrology and magic. 4Q209, fragment 7, column 3, has the unique clue to the calendar that enabled J.T. Millick to see how the moon and the sun and the gates of the, heaven and the, of the heavenly bodies are harmonised into an ingenious, ingenious single astronomical scheme. He called it the synchronistic calendar. How does the synchronistic calendar work? According to Millick, the fragments comprise one lunar year of 354 days and a solar year of 364 days. The idea was based on the Hebrew calendrical texts, and he thought it had a three-year cycle like the Hebrew texts. The years are composed of 29 and 30-day months. He argued that the moon's fractions of half-sevenths represented fractions of light and dark on the lunar disk. Millick's ideas have been rejected by some modern scholars. They argue that the fractions represent time intervals based on the Akkadian lunar table, tablet 14 of the Enuma Anu Enlu collection, and that it is not a calendar. There are structural problems with this interpretation, which I have discussed elsewhere. By removing the calendrical element from 4Q209, the Akkadian lunar table hypothesis masks the extent of the calendrical contents of the collection at Qumran and their political and sociological implications. I agree with much of Millick's synchronistic calendar hypothesis with a few differences, which allows us to recreate what is in fact a calendar into a usable model, albeit with a separate purpose to the Hebrew calendars at Qumran. 
So my revised hypothesis is that I argue that the solar data suggest a synchronised solar calendar of 360 days, which we've heard about just from John, which is a well-known near length in Mesopotamian astronomy, and particularly in the late Babylonian zodiacal calendars. The length of the solar year of 360 days is assumed by the entrance of the sun into a gate based on the sun's journey along the 360-degree zodiacal circle and the 360-day year length of the similar Aramaic calendar from Qumran mentioned earlier, 4Q zodiac calendar, 4Q318. Matthias Albani also suggested that the solar year in 4Q209 was 360 days, based on the same reasoning. I suggest that the 360-day calendar was probably not intercalated separately, which John has also sort of said, but followed a similar intercalation scheme as the Metonic cycle. The 1st century BCE Greek scientific writer Geminos acknowledged that the sun takes 365 and a quarter days to travel the 360-degree zodiacal circle to reach the same point due to its variable apparent speed. This is a reconstruction of 4Q209, fragment 7, column 3, and it shows the first 11 days. No, so this is the, the reconstruction of the lunar gates from the whole um, text. It's the first 11 days of the, of the, of the text, and the, high, the, the, the bit that's highlighted in bright yellow is uh, fragment 7, column 3, uh, which consists of days 8, 9, and 10 of the 10th lunar month. It's highlighted in yellow. Uh, the months are listed in blue on the top row and the day number of the lunar months in the far left column. The calendar of 4Q209 becomes a calendar rather than a static text of a lunar table by the addition of the sun in the text. The text tells us that the sun enters gate 1 on those days 8, 9 and 10. The data in the text of the moon's fractions, which denotes it is a waxing moon, told Millick that this was the 10th month which he called Tevet, the 10th month in the Hebrew calendar. Days 8, 9 and 10 of the 10th month coincided with the winter solstice, the sun in gate 1 in this year. In slide 10, um, four Q, this is uh, a, re a visual reconstruction of 4Q209 at the left-hand column, column 3 again. Um, gates, um, so the, 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 uh, the days are in the inner wheel, uh, the next wheel of the gate numbers, uh, the next wheel shows the zodiac signs, and the next wheel the lunar phases, which are illustrated, and the outer wheel shows the increments of fractions in half-sevenths. And the extant data in the manuscript, days 8, 9, and 10 of the lunar month are arrowed. The sun is in gate 1, but the moon is in gate 4, uh, moving into gate 5 on days 8, 9, and 10 of the lunar month. The moon enters gate 5 on night 9 of the lunar month. This corresponds with the sign of Taurus, when we do the, um, the alignment of the gates and the zodiac signs. And gate 4 corresponds with the sign of Aries. The moon's proportion of waxing and waning is in fractions of half-sevenths. The reconstruction shows that it illustrates the 29-day month. It's now possible to argue that this calendar in the Dead Sea Scrolls represents a particular year of the 19-year cycle. This does not mean a particular date because the sun and moon repeat their positions in the sky every 19 years. It's understood there will be variations in the 19-year cycle in antiquity and that the Hebrew calendar which uses the 19-year cycle isn't identical but it is the closest comparative calendar available at present. Looking at the time period when 4Q209 was copied, it may be found that the 9th of Tevet, the 9th day of the 10th month in the Hebrew calendar, 
occurs at the winter solstice in 9 BCE. Uh, this is the position of the sun, of the moon, when, uh, when the sun is at the winter solstice in this particular year. It's the image of the moon and the sky over Jerusalem on the 23rd of December, 9 BCE, and the 9th of Tevet, from the, the archaeoastronomical computer program Stellarium. Uh, the moon is in Taurus. There's the moon and there's Taurus. Um, and it's a waxing moon, which we expect of it as it's four-sevenths of its light. So the date in 4Q209 that we've just reconstructed, can, we can say is astronomically correct. In this year of the cycle, I found that the 1st of Nisan fell on the spring equinox, and the 10th of Tishri, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, fell on the autumn equinox. It may be found that this alignment occurs when the 9th of Tevet, or thereabouts, coincides with the winter solstice. This chart shows the solar date in the Julian calendar and the corresponding date in the Hebrew calendar in a year when the 9th of Tevet falls on the winter solstice, as it does in 4Q209. The Jewish Anno Mundi date is there to help make these dates easier to follow. The 1st of Nisan, or the first, on the 1st Lunar Crescent, which is what this date describes, falling on the spring equinox, is known as a 19-year marker in 19-year cycles for particular years. This could suggest that the year may have been deliberately marked, as it were, by appearing in 4Q209, because it was a certain year in the cycle, such as possibly the first year or another year in the fixed cycle. The 364-day calendar from Qumran doesn't mark the equinoxes and solstices as far as is known, so this phenomenon doesn't occur in the Hebrew calendars from Qumran. This is the reconstructed template for the whole year of 4Q209. So the moon's phases for 29 and 30-day months for each day of the month are given in fractions of sevenths in the far right column. The month numbers are in the top row, and the days of the month begin in the far left column. The numbers for each day of the month are the gate numbers, and the symbols are the symbols for their corresponding zodiac signs, which we've reconstructed from fragment 7, the pattern there. Um, and the moon travels through it, beginning with gate 4, Aries, gate one, uh, day 1, month, month 1, and the signs occur in their order and in the pattern that we've reconstructed. Um, a month 10, which... Um, so there's our month 10, our days 8, 9 and 10 again, yeah, corresponding to Aries and Taurus. The remains of the right-hand column of fragment 7, column 2, days 23 to 27, are shown in orange-yellow down here. This covers the 25th of Kislev, gate 3, uh, which is in and it's, uh, 25th of Kislev is in the, the gate 3, the sign of Libra. It is the addition of the sun in the text that makes 4Q209 a calendar, otherwise the text is indeed simply a lunar table. Of course, in the year that the winter solstice falls on the 8th and 9th and 10th of the 10th month, it doesn't fall on the 25th of Kislev. Other fragments with enough data so far to match them up with a proposed calendrical structure are also shaded in different colours. The gate numbers are comparatively rare in the text. As Millick pointed out, the text only mentions the gate number when the sun and moon changes their gate, which doesn't happen every day. There are very few fragments at the moment containing enough data to place them in this scheme. The sun falls on the winter solstice on the 25th of Kislev in 10 BCE. In that same year, the festival of Shavuot in the Dead Sea Scrolls 
uh, on uh, Savannah the 15th, falls calendrically at the closest possible point to the summer solstice. The solstice fell on the June the 26th in 10 BCE. Shavuot, the full moon on the third month, is inscribed in the Qumran calendars of the priestly courses and in the temple scroll. In the Pharisaic Jew- Jewish calendar, as recorded by Josephus in the 1st century CE, Shavuot was held on the 6th of Sivan, as it has survived today, due to a question of early exegetical interpretations of when this festival should occur. Full moons and conjunctions closest to the solstices and equinoxes are dates that were also noted in Babylonian horoscopes, which may suggest a significance of some kind. So, for two consecutive years in the 4209 calendar, there is Shavuot, the, the 15th of Sivan, the full moon in the cycle closest to the summer solstice, the brightest night closest to the longest day, the festival of lights, Hanukkah, the 25th of Kislev, for eight days from the book of Maccabees, 1 to 2 Maccabees, conjunction to early waxing moon over the winter solstice, the shortest day, the darkest night, moving into the light for longer days and lighter nights by the waxing moon. The following year on the 1st of Nisan, the New Year's Day in the Temple Scroll from Qumran. Um, it's the first, the, the first crescent of the moon coinciding with the spring equinox. The days are equal, moving into longer days. The 10th of Tishri is the day of the atonement in the Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls, coinciding with the vernal equinox, the equal day and night, moving into shorter days. Significant dates in these two consecutive years at these astronomical extremes are created only once in the calendrical cycle. Now, to return to the 1st and 2nd Maccabees, that institutes an eight-day Thanksgiving festival to be observed annually from the 25th of Kislev. The main aspect of these books that concerns 4Q209 is the first prefixed letter in the front of two Maccabees, chapters one, one, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 10a. Right. This is an epistle of the Jews of Jerusalem um, to the Jewish community in Egypt. Uh, okay, and I'm running out of time. Right. Um, the, um, the, it, the, the Feast of Tabernacles that's meant that for, um, to observe the Feast of Tabernacles in the year 188 of the Seleucid era, which is 124 in the, the Julian calendar, and that's to be the first Hanukkah in Egypt in the Book of Jubilees. With the exception of Daniel Schwartz, scholars agree that this date is correct. Schwartz argues that the date is an error for the year 148 of the Seleucid era, which is 164 BCE, when the desecration of the temple by Antiochus IV took place. 164 BCE is six 19-year cycles earlier than 10 BCE. According to our reckoning, it should fall on the winter solstice. So 164 BCE, six 19-year cycles earlier. Um, the sun and moon are in the same position as they were in 10 BCE. The moon falls on the 15th of June in the Julian calendar on the 15th of Sivan, and the full moon, uh, which is the full moon nearest to the summer solstice in the cycle. And on the, twen- on the 25th of Kislev Hanukkah falls on the 20th of December. The moon at that phase is the closest to the winter solstice in that year of the cycle. So here is the first Hanukkah mentioned in um, Jubilees, in, in Maccabees, and the moon is in the zodiac sign of Libra, as we just showed in our reconstruction of the text. So this is in accordance with the year of the, uh, of the 19-year cycle. 10 BCE, the same thing. Um, Hanukkah in 10 BCE, this is the sky for Jerusalem before sunrise again. The moon again is in the constellation of Libra. 
again showing that this astronomical calendar uh, and our reconstruction of it, of it works. We're dealing with a, a lunisolar stellar calendar. In the following year, in 123 BCE, the 619 year cycles ahead of 9 BCE on the 1st of Nisan. Um, the 1st of Nisan coincides with the 24th of March, the spring equinox, and the 10th of Tishri, the 26th of um, December, uh, September, <laughs> the autumn equinox. So, first of Nissan falls on the spring equinox and Yom Kippur on the autumn equinox. Here's a summary of 9 BCE to 10 to 9 BCE. Again, here we've got the order of the dates in the Julian calendar. The 15th of Sivan, the summer solstice nearest to the full moon and uh, the 25th of Kislev on the winter solstice, the 1st of Nisan on the, uh, the vernal equinox, and the 10th of Tishri on the autumn equinox. The same again for, the 100, for 124 BCE to 123 BCE, 15th of Sivan, the 25th of Kislev, the 1st of Nisan, and the 10th of Tishri. And here are all the festivals arranged together, nine to 10 BCE and 123 to 124 BCE, the spring, summer, autumn and winter festivals in early Judaism based on the reconstruction of 4Q209. To conclude, two minutes. The research suggests that 4Q209 is a usable calendar, not a, a lunar table. The structure of the calendar and the 19-year cycle is reflected in the Seleucid calendar, which is in effect the Babylonian calendar, uh, and is mentioned uh, in, in, in first and second. It's used in first and second Maccabees. The 4Q209 calendar, calendar may be more accurately described as a hybrid solely lunar calendar rather than perhaps a lunisolar calendar. It's driven by where the turning points of the solar year fall in the 19-year cycle so that they can be marked by festivals in what seems to be a lunar pattern of five, the 1st, 10th, 15th and 25th of the lunar month when you look at the equinoxes together followed by the solstices. Since the 25th of Kislev is a festival from the book of 1-2 Maccabees that was adhered to by the Pharisees and the, late, in the, and the later rabbinic tradition, arguably there should be a reconsideration of the long-standing, long-standing consensus view that there was a rejection of the Hasmonean high priesthood by a homogenous community at Qumran or aligned movement. This could also involve the group behind the temple scroll. In any event, more research is called for. 124 BCE should be considered seriously as the date in the original prefix letter to two Maccabees, not a scribal error. I would argue that these, turn, these solar turning point festivals help to calibrate the calendar in the 19-year cycle that was undergoing its later stages of refinements. Two significant adjacent years can be used as a marker so that any priestly astronomer and calendar maker would know where they were in the cycle. The Metonic cycle is essentially a well-known system from antiquity, but according to contemporary scholarship, it's not known at Qumran. This position, too, should be reassessed. Thank you. Helen, I'm intrigued by the system of gates. Is that known outside of the Qumran community? Is that what? The system of gates, is that known outside of the... Around community, you have your six gates. <coughs> the gates, we, we know them from this book of luminaries in the book of Enoch, and they also appear in this, in this text. So the, the terminology is, 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 is used 
around the world? Yes, it's used, it's used, but whether we're all talking about the same thing, I'm not sure. It's certainly clear. And we still don't really know what these gates mean, they're still arguing about what they actually mean, so I'm putting full of microtesis. But yeah, the term is, is used. Well, where it intrigues me is with the, the possibility of the sun moving into the successive sides of the zodiac may well have applicability in the wider Roman world. Well, exactly. I mean, that's what I, I sort of mentioned that the Greco Roman sunglasses and the Horologian, the work that he's done, um, shows that, the, the, that they were really, certainly the Greco Roman world, they were making a lot of use of the sun rising. And um, the, the correspondence with the zodiac signs that you actually tell the time. And that involves a lot of the world. So, yeah. well, if we put our two papers together from this morning, what we seem to have is your suggestion that uh, here's a text which is trying to cope with the discrepancy between schematic and ad hoc daily living and trying to uh, put things together to give some accurate information um, which can then be uh, extrapolated from in some way. Is that the that's Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying it works. Uh, it's not going to be pinpoint accurate because we haven't really, we don't even have the tools to work that out. But uh, there seems to be when you do this very schematic, as John was talking about, you have this is more or less how it works, this is what happens. It, it works. You can you can actually we, we we've got the computer programs to 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 work to we can, we can put this stuff together and we can show how astronomically it does work. It, it's making sense. So um, that that's what I'm saying. And I'm also saying it hasn't really been covered properly in the Conrad Conrad scholarship. I mean, but, um, there's lots of implications. But that's that's the point. But it's very. Com I know it's very difficult for people to follow because it's it's new material, and so also if you're not used to the lunisolar calendar, it's quite difficult stuff to follow. But ah, uh, sorry. Yes, I yes I I was a group. George said that I was just trying to, to put forward make sense of the schematic calendar with the accurate astronomy, and I was saying <coughs> yes, that is really what I'm doing. And as John was saying, it's it's all a bit approximate because it's not. You know, it's not, it's not NASA, but the, it was good enough. And I think, it, I think in these cases, we're talking about the zodiac, and they were interested in this, these calendars are interested in the zodiac, and they appeared within the mythological concept, con, uh, context in the Book of Enoch, where they're talking about angels and Enoch taking a tour of heaven, um, being shown astronomy and calendars. Um, so they may be used for more astrological purposes. Than, than whatever, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, there is a um, Zoroastrian text, Funda Hessian. The what? Uh, there's a Zoroastrian text, Funda Hessian, yeah, which talks, I can't remember all the details now, which talks about gates. I think there are 180 gates, and they mark the position where the, where the sun rises, uh, so ruling in half of the year, and then it goes back to the same 180 gates in the other half of the year. Um, are you familiar with that? No, I'm not, but that sounds fascinating. I mean, it's, it's different than having six gates, but it's perhaps the same yes. underlying, sort of counting the positions of the solar rising as opposed to the zodiac. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much.